So yeah, today I'm talking to Richard Granon. Um, he is a content creator. He helps people with insights from psychology and philosophy um, yeah, to assist humans with life on Earth, as he says himself on his YouTube channel. Um, we discussed wow, uh, the Russian invasion into Ukraine, what's behind it, the psychology, and, and uh, what brought us to this point, and why and how, and all that stuff from our point of view. And uh, yeah, then we went into a little bit of discussion of censoring and narrative control, um, how big data platforms are censoring people like Richard regularly, and uh, why, why is that? Who controls the narrative, who drives the, the discussions, and uh, in what purpose is that done? Um, yeah, we talked about COVID and how that affected all this. Um, how people use words like Trumpist, anti-vaxxer, uh, conspiracy theorist as a kind of a block word to avoid any further discussion about something that they might find uncomfortable. And yeah, where, where is the world going? Where, where does it go from here? Richard isn't very optimistic. Last time he was on my podcast, he wasn't optimistic either. And most of the stuff he said turned out true. So let's hope he's wrong now. He was on my episode five as well, uh, which was kind of a bio-personal journey of, of Richard. Um, and then he was later on on, a, on an episode called The Woke, Bad and the Ugly. So check out those episodes as well, guys. And yeah, and Richard's channel is on YouTube. He's on Instagram and TikTok as well. Um, he shares a lot of stuff. He's uh, very active and uh, a lot of interesting insights. Uh, the sponsors are the Old Bar Prague. That's uh, in Shishkov in Prague available for takeaway or a quick sit-in. Uh, great old meals, amazing skier, uh, healthy toppings, no compromises, no nasty stuff, good coffee, great service, great atmosphere, uh, good music. And uh, also available on, on, on deliveries on Walt and Bolt that you can order on your phone. And uh, open from 8 to 3 o'clock from Monday to Thursday, Friday from 8 to 1.30 and Saturday from 8.30 to 1.30. Check that out. And then Alfred Jobs, Alfred.cz, also available in the App Store under Alfred Jobs, where you can find thousands of jobs. You can apply with one click. Uh, you can read about the companies. You can see similar jobs. You're anonymous. It's free to use. And you don't have to fill in a form every time you apply for something. You can apply for 100 jobs in 10 minutes. Check that out. Alfred Jobs, Alfred.cz. <laughs> Welcome, Richard Granon. How are you today? Very well. Thank you for having me back on, sir. Yeah, you you were you're the most frequent guest on this podcast. You've been on two episodes so far. Oh right. Oh, I'm the most frequent, am I? Yeah, okay. I'm and honored. one of the most popular ones, though. Ah, but cool. uh, yeah, um, I think you were on episode number five, where we were kind of talking about your journey in life. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. called from having cocaine for breakfast to <laughs> healing narcissistic abuse. Yeah. And then we and then we had another one called the Vogue Bad and the Ugly, which was um, actually yeah, kind of I don't know, like a year ago or something. I think it's a year ago now, yeah, must be. Yeah, and and there we were kind of discussing. We were in the middle of of the COVID madness, and we were discussing um, um, where where why is it like this? Why why are, is the Vogue the kind of the new religion, and why is it so um, militant and arrogant and aggressive and and so on and. And I, I remember I <clears throat> I kind of <laughs> I thought you were a little bit pessimistic. Yes. And uh, then it 
kind of turned out that everything that you said there turned out to be right. <laughs> and my pessimism or me my doubt of your pessimism was was wrong. And here we are now and there's a war. Yes. So <clears throat> we're sitting we're recording this in 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 Prague and there is a yeah, what was a war started last week in 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 the Ukraine mm-hmm. and you were telling me before we started recording you you have some relatives or 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 people close to the border with Ukraine, right? Uh, in uh, Slovakia, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. My uh, there's my ex girlfriend is Slovakian. I'm close with her, with her family, her grandparents. Uh, uh, that uh, that way. Then. Uh, and what are you hearing from that direction? Huge troop buildup. Mm-hmm. There's a big, big troop buildup on the border, as you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are NATO forces that are mobilizing. Um, perhaps it's symbolic, just to say, hey, we're here. Mm-hmm. You can do what you're doing over there. But if you cross this line, mm-hmm. it'll be a different story. Um, but it's really not good. I mean, we are an eight-hour drive here in Prague from the closest border to the Ukraine. Mm. Um, it's not on our doorstep, but it's not insignificant either. No, for sure. And 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 <clears throat> and it's a it's an interesting development somehow. I mean, I think no one believed that this would happen. You know, like I I I, I doubt that. I don't know if you would have asked anyone a month ago, is there, well, okay, if I would have asked you, you would have probably told me that it would happen. No, I, I was asked, and, and I did the End of Civilization talk uh, in November, and I was asked a month ago, like, how, do you think we're going to World War Three? And I said, we're definitely moving towards World War Three. Mm. But I thought it was years away. And this person said to me, do you think Putin will actually invade Ukraine? And I said, absolutely not. He's a tough guy and a bully, and he's going to, push the boundaries, he's going to muscle people, he'll go right the way up to the border and get everybody all shook up and he'll be on all the news and everything and then he will go back to diplomacy and ask for what he wants, he'll ask for the agreements he's been asked to being signed for over a decade to be signed and maybe he'll get some concessions, mm. that was my response I never thought he'd actually do this mm. because I, you know I'm, people want to turn this into a pro or anti-Putin thing it's not about that. It's about the chessboard. It's about the system. Mm. And I don't see him getting what he wants like this. This mm. to me seems like uh, uh, an insane decision because it won't fulfill his agenda. We all know what his twisted agenda is in, as far as a vision of, of uh, Russia goes. And it won't add to his precious legacy that he's becoming more and more obsessed with as he ages. He's 69, turns 70 soon. Um, and I just don't see this working well for him at all. I don't. I don't. I don't see a good outcome. Can you see a good outcome? For no, him? I, I think. I mean, when 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 it started, you know, like I was, I was very. I, I didn't really believe that it would happen. And when it happened, I was like, no, I, I don't buy this, you know. And then, but then I started thinking, like, because, <clears throat> I mean, after living here in in Prague for, I don't know, thirteen years, and I've done a lot of business in with with Russians in Ukraine. We had offices in Ukraine and I've been in the Baltics a lot, I've been in Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, doing business in all this region. When when you deal with this, their, let's say, mentality and way of thinking, I always felt inferior somehow. I always felt like, shit, these guys are three, four steps ahead of me and they think like chess players. Mm. And I remember, for example, in, in, in Kiev, we owned a company with um, uh, our co-owner, well, we had two co-owners, one of them was was um, um, wanted and hadn't been in Ukraine for a decade, but he still managed to keep his shares and and he was still influencing the business. It was really interesting. And the other the other shareholders owned one of the fastest growing retail bank. And then when the 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 financial crisis came and uh, and and uh, 
you know, his position came a little bit shaky, and then he he in in around two thousand and fourteen, I think it was then. Then he was basically he was arrested, and and but we st- he still he managed to get out. He still managed to keep his bank. He still managed to keep, stay out of jail. I mean, you always I always had a feeling that they had a, some sort of a ace up their sleeve somewhere. Either they knew something about someone, mm. or they had something. So when Putin does something like this. Um, my immediate thought was, that, okay, he must have secured some sort of a backdoor to China or whatever. Mm. And in my wildest nightmare slash dreams, mm. this is the beginning of the shift of power from the Western Empire to a new empire. Okay. And, uh, you know, that because if we think about it, like, yeah, we are, we are now, we are dependent on Russia for oil, gas, mm. and minerals and stuff like that. Um, but... They they have a client in in the east in China that would buy everything they can make, mm. any oil, any gas. So, I think we need them more than they need us. And I, I kind of thought, okay, if if a chess player plays his pawn somewhere, he he knows what's going to happen. So I don't know. I mean, I I do hope that it doesn't escalate, but I I agree with you. I can't see somehow a, an easy way out of what he got into now. You know. I don't. And what I would suggest is just as just as food for thought is I think what a lot of us have been doing um is making the mistake of comparing the Putin of two thousand and ten with the Putin of today. Certainly the Putin of two thousand and ten, had you just said what you said, I'd say I hundred percent believe in you. I'm not sure that this is you know, high-level chess movements from a guy who is wily and cunning and knows how far he can push his allies, knows how to manipulate people. This looks like a deranged move. Mm-hmm. To wit, just you and I now, we're pontificating. Imagine we're hired by a government, we're a think tank, and we were to run the war game through. Mm-hmm. What does a win look like for Putin in this situation? What would you say a win is for him on this military action? I, I guess, you know, neutralizing Ukraine, somehow keeping it as a puppet state and, mm. and getting getting NATO to, to back with some of its weapons from, you know, I don't know, Hungary maybe and Poland or something. So if that happens and he he has to do it fairly rapidly or it's not physically going to be possible, he rapidly takes Kiev, he removes Zelensky mm. and he puts a puppet government in, the world... The whole world, apart from China, Iran, and North Korea, will turn on Russia. Mm. And it will be a pariah state as long as that Ukrainian state continues to exist. They then have decades of insurgency from the Ukrainians. If they've proved anything, they've proved that they are pretty fucking tough Mm. and pretty determined not to be Russian. Decades of insurgency from inside that country. The entire world turns against you. The economic sanctions will be not temporary, they'll be forever. Everything you built in London, everything you built in New York, all your oligarch friends are going to lose out globally. Mm. I don't see that as a win. I really don't. That seems desperate. That seems like a des- the desperate act of a madman because that win is not a win for his legacy. It's not going to build the, new, the, ver, the vision of Russia that he has in his head, this weird, nostalgic, mystical version of, of, the, mm. of the motherland. The empire, yeah. The empire. Mm. And his, his legacy will be destroyed. The mm. Russian people, mm. as far as I can tell, and I, I work with Russians, I, I work with them, I speak to them daily, especially the young, 
the younger, our age and younger, they're more liberally minded. They're mm. more modern minded. They think this is an appalling. Mm. Act. They think it, they describe it as an atrocity mm. and they're looking to leave the country. We could be looking at a brain drain out of Russia where the youngest, the best and the brightest and the most socially liberal minded leave and go to countries like Canada or America in a country that's already got a 13% rate of extreme poverty, then is going to face sanctions. It's only mate is China. It would be a desperate situation. What a desperate, miserable, dystopian nightmare mm. Russia would turn into in a complete pariah state as long as Ukraine exists. But they can't give it back at that point. No. They just have to stick <laughs> yeah, with the decision. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, you've plunged your entire vision, your country, into a desperate scenario for decades. That's a win. <laughs> That's yeah. if he wins. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, I, I, don't, I don't get it. The, 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 and there is the chance still that he could lose that. And the loss would be a long drawn out guerrilla warfare scenario, much like the Serbs arrogantly thinking they could just roll into Sarajevo and they planned on taking it in three days. Mm. And what was the response? Mm. Well, grandmothers, grandfathers, uncles and aunties stood at the bottom of tower blocks with steak knives. I've met the people who did mm. this. Mm. They were then finally armed. They, are, they were armed internally, not externally, because we in the West refused to help them to our eternal shame. But they, they found weaponry. They got weaponry and they fought back. Mm. And the, uh, bakers and candlestick makers and shoe repairers became guerrilla soldiers. They mm. just learned and they mm. learned quickly. So I, I, I see loss. Loss is likely, but it's extremely militarily powerful. So I'd say probably like an, there's this, 75% chance that it will be the scenario A, which is the win, and they're plunged into eternal damnation, or B, uh, which less likely because it's so powerful. It's so, so powerful. If they choose savagery, and Russia historically has chosen savagery in the face of rebellion, look at Chechnya, then they're, they're a prior state, or they don't have the guts for it, or the army turn really starts rebelling, the Russian army really starts rebelling, and then they have to return home with the tail between the legs. Mm. Terrible loss. I mm. just, I'm very pessimistic for Russia's future right now. But it could implode in a way, like what you're saying. I mean, it, it could be that his people, both rich and poor, turn on him. I mean, it, it, it I mean, that's that's a possible scenario that the 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 let's say the the stamina for something like this just isn't there, you mm. know. Um, but. <clears throat> But I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you're right that, that um, someone who has been in power for 20, 25 years and has basically been able to do whatever he wants, he has kind of, you lose your touch to reality. You My know, God. Like you, you He's done very well. I mean, yeah. I would go crazy. All, yeah. the, all those, all that cocaine, hookers and yachts and gold-plated <laughs> baths, I would, have, I would have done two years and gone crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's in, what is interesting about this is that... Um, and what I'm seeing and what I'm a little bit scared of is that, um, and I see that here in Prague now, is that uh, they're removing Russian products off the shelves. Mm. Um, there are doctors that have put up stickers in their office, no Russian served, um, which is not like if they would say no Russian soldiers actively in duty served, but just Russians. That's insane. Um, my, I, I, I socialize a lot with, with Russians and Ukrainians and, 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 and uh, yeah, everything. And in between, and and they are saying we're afraid of speaking Russian on public transport, and and of course, Czech Republic has always been extremely Russiaphobic since the '68. Uh, yeah, they they have some historical yeah, reasons for that. Yeah, historical reasons for that, <laughs> and and um, and but but what scares me about this is is a little bit how how the politics are are dealing with this because I feel like they are instead of kind of 
stepping a little bit above and saying, listen, we need to deal with this in a, through the right channels. Mm. This is not going to be solved on the public transport in Prague or in the doctor's office or, or whatever. But they're not. They're actually kind of jumping on on the wagon because these are cheap points. You mm-hmm. you know, you put your the Ukrainian flag in your profile picture and you picture yourself spilling Russian vodka in the sink, you know. Have you seen people do that? I haven't seen. Yeah, it. yeah, and, yeah. And, and and like like that'll you know, that'll, that'll stop Putin. Yeah, you yeah. pouring a Russian vodka in the yeah, sink, yeah. you fucking idiots. And 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 it's it's um, it's virtue signaling in a way. Like, yeah, it's purely symbolic yeah. and it's narcissistic. I'm very self indulgent. Yeah, it's about that. That's about the person doing it. It's not about Ukraine. No, it's a uh, yeah, so pure the worst kind of virtue signaling. But that what I worry about in that is that if. If we allow this to happen, we are kind of giving a green light to the public to to start dealing with it in a let's say a less legal and less informal way, because there are ways. I mean, there are sanctions, there are military aid, there is you know mm. refugee help and all mm. these things that that can do. And I've I've still I've met one Russian so far that um, she claims that Russia is in the right. That's the mm. only Russian that I've met here. I mean, mm. I've lo- met a lot since since this started. Then. She's former secret police in Russia, and her mm. daughter is a sniper in Ukraine. And her brother is a, a, a soldier in in Russia, and she she's on the Russian side. And she said that they've been kicking our asses in 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 the Crimea and and killing people and and blah blah blah. All this neo-Nazi rumors. Mm. So she's on board with that. But all the other Russians that I met, like you said, you know, they they are not for this, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but it's it's. When I when I see these kind of things, it kind of takes me back to think how it was in Germany in, in before the First World War because, mm. you know, this Hitler um, in in his biography, which by the way is, I'm I'm a little bit scared of saying that I read his biography because then you're automatically a Hitlerist, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> and uh, uh, but I read it because I'm curious about history. Uh, it was written in a very interesting way because it was kind of stuck to the facts you'd never mm. felt biased and 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 th- what happened there b- before the war started and and, and you, you were, said first world war do you mean that no, second world second war, sorry, war. Yeah. yeah then then um yeah the harassment of jews was kind of authorized by him by silence mm. and by speech he never or or you know at least in the book it claims that he didn't order direct attacks on jews he just said oh they're dirty they're they're uh, shameful for our mm. society. They're rich and they're taking your money, blah blah blah. But but with that, he kind of opened the book, and everybody else could go in and do what he wants. And that's the nature of an ideologue propounding an ideology. They let you come to your own conclusion. Jews are evil. Jews are bad. Jews are pedophiles. Jews are stealing your money. Jews are stealing it, and so on and so forth. He knows perfectly well what's going to happen. But if anything does happen, he can say, "Well, I didn't tell them to do mm. that." You also didn't tell them not to do it either. You let them come to their own conclusion, but you led them right the way to the doorway of that conclusion. All ideology does that, and all ideologues play this play this game. But do you think that this, you know, because as far as, as I told you, you didn't believe me when I told you before we started mm. recording, mm. it's happening here. I mean, like, it's already... I, I wouldn't be as concerned with what I'm saying in terms of the the mainstream media narrative and the propaganda, and it is propaganda that's coming out of Western governments at the moment. Russia has its own propaganda. Ukraine has its own propaganda. We just found out the ghost of Kiev was made up and the pictures of him killing people were from a video game because that's how dumb we are. Mm -hmm. Um, 
my concern is that we're not being rushed towards hating Russians, Russian people, but that we're being rushed to back a war, a hot war with Russia. That's my concern. This idea that, oh, these poor, brave Ukrainians. Well, it wasn't being reported that way in Bosnia when Bosnia was happening. It wasn't being reported that way in 2014 in the Ukraine. The reporting out is very sentimentalized and very emotional and very much one way. It's very much the idea that Ukraine is a sovereign state that seems to be being attacked at random with no provocation whatsoever by a far superior, a militarily superior power, and it needs all the help we can give it. We're not discussing the fact that Putin, well, originally asked to join NATO, and mm. he claims, and was, uh, he claims, laughed at for it. This is a long time ago. I think that was in 2000 or 2001. He's had his multiple requests to consider that he received reassurances that the Ukraine won't join NATO, refused outright, mm. Mm. Um, not in very conciliatory language. I mean, when I look at, obviously I wasn't on the ball because I was thinking about other things, but now that it's happening, I go back and I look at the build up to this. I'm thinking, hmm, it's not, we all know what Putin is. We all know who he is. We all know what he's capable of. You only have to look at the list of journalists who've died under his rule. What was done prior to this to make him feel like he had a place at the table? Because if a man like that doesn't feel like he has a place at the table, he'll burn the fucking table and everybody at it. Except the the marble table that he's using to meet these leaders. You it's know, insane. With the 15 meters. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And people are telling me, no, he's fine. He's mentally stable. I released a video on YouTube yesterday saying, you know, suggesting that he lost his mind. Mm. And all these Kremlin bots and pro-Putin edgelords from America jump on. They're like, no, you don't. You're believing mainstream media. You don't know he's attacking the bio labs uh, that produce COVID in Ukraine and he's stopping the human. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is QAnon all Humanitarian over Putin. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. He's doing it for humanitarian re reasons. He's sending in 19-year-old soldiers who believe they're on a training exercise to invade a country with not enough fuel, with no objectives, to get captured by civilians with guns i mean it's it's mm. fucking insane mm. these these claims that people are making the mental gymnastics they go through to make this be something that fits a pre-existing narrative is astonishing but i where where i see the problem with the mainstream media narrative rushing us towards war is we're not talking about nato expansionism mm. he's he's right he made a speech on december 21st 2001 just people can look it up putin's speech december 21st 2001 saying the West absolutely would not allow military buildup on one of its borders. And it's mm. a huge fucking border. Mm. Ukraine's a massive country. And when you look at it on a map, which I didn't before this happened, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I think most people hadn't. It's very significant. Mm. It's the gateway between East and West as far as Russia mm. is concerned. Mm. Or not East and West, but uh, Europe and Russia. Ukraine yeah. oh, is. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's called the Ukraine. It means the borderlands. Mm. So... Does he have a right to be upset? Fucking right, he has a right to be upset. And does he have a right to ask for reassurances? Well, if we're all mates and we're all allies, and this is his point, he said this multiple times, if you want me to be an ally, treat me like an ally. But we're not doing that. We've mugged him off. Mm. And he's a psychopath. So what's he going to do? Well, he might do something violent. He might do something rash and unreasonable to show his strength, to reassert his masculinity, and to be like, okay, you think I've not still got it. I'll show you guys. Like so, the school bully. Yeah, school bully. I mean, it's mm. it's not... Diplomatically speaking, it looks like a bit of a failing. Or, if I'm paranoid, it looks like a provocation. 
A deliberate provocation. Screw you, Putin. We're not doing anything. I mean, the, the, the response back to his speech on December 21st was, we're not moving any of our troops out of Eastern Europe. We're not giving you these assurances, even though we said we would multiple times over the years. We're not doing anything that you've said. And I kind of think, okay, he also plays his games. He pretends to exhaust the diplomatic uh, solution. He has his fake meetings that are televised with his diplomats where he says, where the diplomats say to him, listen, Mr. Putin, we have to keep going with the diplomacy. It's all theater. And yet, I think we failed in our responsibility, diplomatically speaking, to deal with this guy because he will deal. Historically, he's proven he'll deal. Just don't make him feel like a cunt. Mm. Let him have his place at the table. Give him some concessions. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to ask for that concession. We have to say... We'll have our trade deals with Ukraine. You can come and work in London. You can come and study in France. We can have travel corridors, everything. But not entry to the EU, ever, ever. Sorry, we can't. Like, that's just the chessboard that it is. And never NATO. Mm. Never NATO. Whatever other deals you want to do or protections or slide deal or under the table, just do it. Mm. But give him that. He's on his way out. Give him the concession. They'll never join NATO. They'll never be in the EU. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, I, I you know, I remember when, um, um, well, I don't remember it. I'm not that old. But uh, the missile crisis, Cuban missile crisis in, yeah. in what, 62 or whatever it was, um, that was that was just a, a mirroring of this situation because that was the Soviet Union arming Cuba, their ally, mm-hmm with missiles that the, the, the U.S. saw as a hostile thing. And, and you know, we were very close. We were on the brink of a nuclear war or, mm. or, 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 or an invasion of Cuba. And, and uh, um, so I think it's, yeah, I think, I think it's arrogant of us to say that, yeah, we can do whatever we want, but he, he can't or they can't do anything else. And I mm. think also what we've we done I don't know. Yeah, probably consciously, but because I think it suits the West to have an enemy, it's 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 it feeds a certain justification we're, of we're, a lot of things. Well, we're cleaning up the COVID narrative. Yeah, we're cl- we've blatantly our governments have been caught acting in the most outrageous and corrupt and unjustifiable ways, profiteering yeah. wholesale from a pandemic and putting bailed them out. Well, and and we need to clean the human. Co- we need to clean the global consciousness of that. Mm. And after this, people will be in. If there isn't after this, people will be in such shock that they won't. They won't be as concerned about the uh, various crimes and misdemeanors that were committed during COVID. Uh, but I, th- I feel, yeah, I feel like we keep, we always keep Russia somehow in a corner. We do. We blame them for the elections in the U.S. We blame yep. them for Joe Biden's son being a crackhead. I yep. mean, it's, it's always Russia or someone. It's, it's, it's such a handy fall guy, you know. Yes. And and if you, I don't know, if I would keep you here trapped in a corner and and constantly having everyone who comes in here Mm. pointing at you and and telling you you're a jerk, Mm. you would explode. Well, this is a great point, and there's a good psychological point to this. There's a there's a line. I th- I'm pretty sure it's from a '90s movie called Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. You've seen that, yeah. um, where. I think one of the characters is being mistreated continuously by the police. He keeps being stopped and arrested and searched. And he eventually cracks and says, look, if you want an N-word, if you want me to be an N-word, I'll be an N-word, which is this, in psychology, we call this projective identification. So if you keep treating me like a piece of shit, like a murderer, of course, Mm. because why not? 
I may as well. I'm guilty en- anyway. Yeah, so I may as well enjoy the freedom and privileges of being a scumbag yeah. <laughs> instead of being a good boy but being called a scumbag. I'll be a f- effing fucking scumbag then if that if that's what you want. And Russia is uh, being subjected to that. Mm. It, P- Putin and Russia are being treated unfairly in the media. Mm. This response of Putin's to me seems unhinged, and I wonder if it's gotten to him. Mm. I wonder if it's there's just a collusion. COVID, the pandemic, the Russian economy is doing awfully. Mm. It's really, really struggling. And he's at, he knows he's at the end. He knows he can't go forever and ever and ever. Some people have even suggested he may be terminally ill, mm-hmm. which would completely alter your perspective. Yeah. Think, Fuck, I've got <laughs> two years. That's the worst things. Yeah, I've got two years to fix this and then I'm out. What's my legacy going to be? And so you start making, th- this just looks desperate and it's not the Putin of, of 10 years ago. It's not the Putin I've grown up with, because we've, mm-hmm. we've all grown up with this yeah. guy, because he just stayed in power and will not leave. He's like the Rolling Stones. Exactly. He's been there forever. Been there forever, and we know. I feel like we know him. I feel like he's he's smart, he's funny, he's mm-hmm. he's evil, he, he punishes his enemies with absolute savagery. Uh, he loves He loves show trials, he loves humiliating people publicly, he's a sadist, um, but he's manageable. Mm. Well, we know this because we've been managing him for all this time. Mm. And he's the, probably the wealthiest man in the world, they say, mm. two, worth $200 billion. Um, it's it's not. They're more than Bill Gates? or They're saying he's more, worth more than Bill Gates. He's mm. he, That he could very well be the wealthiest man on the planet, more than Bill Gates, yeah, more than Musk. Um, and we have managed him up until this point. But if you look at, especially the last six months, it just seems... The guy has a legitimate concern, mm. and we've all just gone, nah, screw you. Mm. We're doing what we want. How much narcissistic injury can any of us take? Yeah. I mean, if this was a prison, if you reduce the complexity and we're like, we're all in a prison, and he's trying to protect his cell or he's trying to protect his bed, and we've we've said, well, we're not, you know, we're just going to let somebody who's going to take your bed from you and take your stuff from you, and we're not going to help you. Mm. Yeah, then there's going to be a fight. There has to be. This is why I said... There has to be a World War Three, and it's mm. imminent. It's it's not ten years away. It's within the next five years, because the chessboard right now, it needs. We have to reassert dominance. We all of humanity. Threats and diplomacy can only go on for so long. Eventually, you have to have a fight. If it was a, if it was a group of lads in prison, Chinese, Indian, English, Swedish, and they're all in separate gangs, you can have peace for a while. It's not it's not permanent. They have to tear each other up and re-establish the boundaries. It's a, it's like an innate unconscious instinct. It just has to be done, and it has to be done with violence. And it would be arrogant also, and I, and I think it's actually, unfortunately, a view that, that we take as, as people uh, is to assume that the current status mm. is eternal. Yeah, it's crazy. And and, and that, that go, I think it goes to a lot of, Things it goes for peace, which it's weird because we never had peace. I mean, now is the longest peaceful time in mm-hmm. probably in history. I mean, yeah, I and look at what we did with it. Yeah, and <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know, we 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 assume it with the climate somehow. I've been thinking, I've been listening a lot to those. Um, Joe Rogan had two really good one kind of uh, let's say climate emergency doubter, and another one who claims there is a climate emergency, and and. Mm. And it's really, really interesting to 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 listen to. It always makes me think like we're talking about making huge sacrifices in our lifestyle and our our, our ability to provide for ourselves and our families and and 
you know, economic growth and whatever, whatever you think about economic growth. But mm. we're, we're making those sacrifices to, to, to try and change the temperature of Earth. Mm. I, I, it's like, it's not a fucking radiator. It's, it's, it's Earth. It's the ocean. It's the atmosphere. <laughs> it's the sun. It's the universe. It's yeah. not. And, and then, then if you think about it, like historically, we've had all this. We had higher temperatures, lower temperatures, higher mm. sea levels, more ice, less ice. Uh, you know, like, and and the evidence is all there, but we are so stuck on keeping things as they are mm. that we 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 actually think that we can just either by ignoring it or by I don't know doing some geoengineering magic, mm. and and the same goes for war. No one thinks there will be a war. Yeah, it's the, why the, not? Yeah, the the uh, the climate change is is an interesting one, and and as you rightly say. We shouldn't assume that things will just go on as 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 they are. I almost wonder if climate change is a bit of a red herring away from other issues. Do you think humans are creating climate change? Do you but do you personally believe we're creating? I, I'm I'm doubtful about it. I I I'm I you know I'm, I I I'm sure we're polluting the air. We're making the air quality worse. There are people dying from pollution or like having a negative health effect and eventually dying from heart disease or whatever mm. because of pollution. I have my doubts that that the the CO two that we release into the atmosphere is is having this drastic effect. I'm sure it contributes just like any other CO two would do, but I, I'm I'm doubtful and and I think it's yeah I think it's some. If you want to get away with something big, you need people to look somewhere else. Mm. And and I often think is is this an agenda? Is there some? I don't know. I I also am. Uh I'm doubtful. I, I need to educate myself more about it. I I can't I can't quite fathom. Well, as you've just said, temperatures go up and down mm. historically. Mm. We know this. Mm. Before the population was nearly eight billion people, mm. it was going up and down. Shakespeare wrote inside of a mini ice age. So what caused that? Well, it wasn't CO two emissions. It wasn't farming that was doing. It wasn't Land Rovers doing it. So what caused that? Maybe it's solar cycles. Maybe mm. it gets hotter and colder. Maybe we're extraordinarily sensitive here. Maybe we go through a rhythm that we don't know. We know about the rhythm of night and day. We know about the rhythm of seasons, but the, maybe there's also a climatic rhythm. It could be so long. It could be 20,000 years, exactly. and we just haven't recorded it. And we look at everything from a lifetime, 100 years. Exactly, which is, which is scientifically speaking, is completely ludicrous. Mm -hmm. Because that's a tiny data set. It's not enough data. Any scientist would, any scientist worth their salt would just say to you, that's just not enough data. Mm -hmm. But if I ran my benevolent dictatorship, which I will after the nuclear war, um, the, the way we use plastic, how wasteful we are, mm -hmm. how, how quick we are to just dump our rubbish into the earth or into the sea mm -hmm. or into the air, these will all be hanging offenses in my, in my dictatorship. That, you, that is just... If, if we were a family of, of 15 people and people in your family were doing that on a on a campsite, you would fucking stop them mm. because it's well, it's just not a responsible way to act. It's not, it's, not, it's not a clever thing to do. We have to stop all that, but I would say stop it. Just stop it because it's not responsible. Mm. Just stop it because it... It's, it's bad. It's foolish. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, the fucking insane. There are turtles dying with Coke can rings around their neck. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. So no. stop, please. We don't yeah. have to do that. But I think, uh, and and on this, I mean, I, I I agree with what you say. I mean, I I haven't educated myself fully through this. And what I what I what I find problematic about climate change is that 
I, I, I can't get access to... There are certain views that don't get published. They don't mm. get... Um, you, don't, you just don't have access to it. And that's mm. that's not right in a scientific debate. And, and I, I think well, we'll get to that a little bit later it's on. It's outrageous. On, on COVID and all, all that stuff. But... Mm. <clears throat> But with yeah, with with this in general, I think the plastic in the ocean. Because I was, when when they started this uh, selling plastic bags and then banning plastic bags, and I was like, okay. So then I started thinking, how many times have I seen someone down by the coast throwing a plastic bag in the ocean? Mm. And I don't remember seeing that. Mm -mm. Um, I probably did it as a kid or something myself. Mm. Maybe threw a kitten or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was not a benevolent uh, dictator. It was a different. No, I never did that. But. <laughs> And I would never do you that. You were the malevolent dictator. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, honestly, I'm, and, and then I started, and then I went in to, to figure out, okay, so where, what's the dangerous plastic um, um, pollution in the ocean? And it turns out that are, there are seven or eight rivers in the world that, mm. that, that transport these microfiber, microplastic pieces. They're, they're almost invisible. They're so mm. small, and they come from textile industry. Mm. From companies like Nike, from you know Levi's, Jack and Jones, whatever. Mm. Uh, no, my friend owns Jack and Jones. Probably not from them. Uh, your friend owns Jack and Jones. Yeah, yeah, here, I like I like here, their stuff. Yeah. I like their stuff. And uh, not from them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so still we're talking seven, eight rivers, mm. and I think seven out of eight are in China and one mm. in Africa. Okay. All of the countries which you will see on your clothes, made mm. in, made in. Mm. So what we did is in our arrogance and, and kind of ignorant way of seeing the world is that we decided to <laughs> to to outsource to cheap areas to mm -hmm. get cheaper stuff to sell more to people like me and you mm -hmm. and not taking responsibility or not even demanding from the producer that they have any pollution mm. prevention or anything like that. So we basically, you know, we, we slave their people for low salary and we make sure that, yeah, it's done so cheap that it pollutes the environment. And, and then at the same time, someone in, in the West is feeling super good about themselves because they haven't bought a plastic bag. Yeah. It's Oh, it's silly. insane. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. I think um, two things occurred to me then. One was if if you do get caught, if you get caught throwing a bag into the ocean, depending mm. on where you are, certainly in California, it's a crime. Mm. You'll be arrested. By which the is fine. Yeah. Which is fine. Mm. But if you're a government or a corporation and you're dumping tons of plastic bags mm. deep into the ocean... That's government mandated. That's yeah. that's completely acceptable, and that to me is 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 ridiculous. It's mm. just not a responsible way for. And we shouldn't act like these things are not traceable and it's bigger than us and too complex than we are. Actual human beings sat down, looked at those propositions at a certain point in history, and signed them off mm. for the in the name of profit or yeah. in the name of economic competition. England said, "Well, fucking France and Germany's doing it, so let's do it as well. Mm. We don't want to be left out." We don't want to fall behind, so let's do it as well. And the second thing is what you've just said is like the Slavoj Zizek point. You know, you're allowing the government of your country to dump um, fuel, uh, sorry, to dump plastics into the ocean to use child labor. But meanwhile, you go to Starbucks, as I sit here with a Starbucks cup in front of me, and if it tells you that this particular blend was made in Guatemala and 25 cents will go to these stupid Guatemalan children, then you did your duty and you could you don't have to feel guilty yeah. anymore. That's how, he, he says, the ideology that we live in today, that's how it functions. It's, it's guilt and trade. Mm. And this form of consumer capitalism is bizarre. Mm. People say, oh, you're anti-capitalist. I'm, like, I'm not anti-capitalist, but this isn't capitalism. 
this is some other weird viral mutation of extreme predatory consumer capitalism that really damages us. Mm. And I think I think it's a snake eating its own tail. The seeds of its own destruction are sown within the core software itself because it's not sustainable. Everybody's mm. talking about sustainability. It's become this buzzword. But this form of, of uh, consumer capital is not sustainable. Mm. It, it, will cr it will crumble because it justifies its antidote. Mm. The antidote is socialism, communism. Yeah. And this form of consumer capitalism justifies socialism and communism. So it's not sustainable. It's mm. not. It's not a form of capitalism I back at all. But I feel like th this, this uh, what you m mentioned, like you kind of it. It reminds me of the the Catholic Church in a way mm. that you 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 know you know you get forgiveness and your forgiveness is just twenty five cents that went yes. to a kid in Guatemala. Yes. yes. And uh, you literally could buy it. You can yeah. you can buy favors uh, against your sin in the Catholic Church. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 I. And it's interesting because um, people younger than me, I feel like I feel that they have this constant guilt mm. in somehow about whatever they're doing, whether it's you know the car they drive or if they travel or if they do this or do that. And it's it's very very interesting because actually the world has never been a better place than now. Mm. I mean, if we look at you know. Mm. Uh, Deaths at birth, uh, poverty, um, starvation, uh, deaths from wars, mm. silly to say, in the middle of a war. Well, there's a lot of other wars we never hear about, mm -hmm. but probably like 15 wars in the world right now. We know about one. Well, we know about the one that's affecting white Europeans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, um, but regardless of these wars, we have fewer people dying from, you know, natural disasters, from basically anything. And we are living longer. We are more people have food. Everything is positive, but we are all walking around mm. feeling guilty mm. or supposed to feel guilty. Because we know we're not focusing on the wars that involve brown people who are not Europeans. If you're brown and African or you're brown Middle Eastern, we don't give up. Yeah. We couldn't care less. Yeah. As long as I never see it, I never have to hear about it, and it's happening on the other side of the world. Just you know, we do not care. So sometimes our guilt is justified. You said about the clothes we're wearing, and I, I just uh, you know I wondered if on some level you carry guilt because you know your Motorhead T-shirt is mass beautiful, produced, beautiful, be beautiful from mm -hmm. a great band, but maybe mass produced by children in India on slave mm -hmm. labor. You don't think about it consciously, but you feel it subconsciously. I think I'm wearing a Zara t-shirt. I think all of this is Bengali. Mm. Um, some of it's Portugal, some of it's Bengali, but maybe on some level we know that we're part, we're kind of scumbags because we're kind of part of it. And we're, we're, we're passively just drifting along and letting it happen. So I think some of the guilt is justified. Once that guilt is, that justifiable guilt is opened, then those who seek to manufacture consent, they plunge in and they worsen it. Mm. They make it stronger. They, they go in and they ideologically infect these kids with the ideas of, you know, you're living on the bones of slaves and this is all colony, colonization. Capitalism is bad. Your, your parents, your family, your culture is evil and murderous and full of rape and gender, which is... You know, there's some truth in that, mm. but it's a bit much for a 19-year-old to decipher, I think. But I think also it's just uh, it's one, once again this um, kind of arrogance to expect or assume that things are uh, they, that things have always been as they are and they will always be as they are, mm. because Europe, as an example, I mean, we we for sure are lucky enough to be born at the, the at least 
hopefully not, but the last days of the party. You know what I mean? The lights are about to come on and we're going to see the puke on the floor and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, it hasn't always been like this. I mean, like through the cycles of time, different areas of, of the world have been the sweatshops. I mean, the, 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 there was plenty of slaves taken from Europe into the Middle East in, during the height of the Egyptian Empire. You know what well, I mean? Like, yeah, people forget the national anthem of the United Kingdom uh, has the line in it, um, rule Britannia, Britons never, ever, ever shall be slaves mm. because of the uh, Barbary pilot, uh, pirates. They, was, they stole us in huge numbers mm. to go and be slaves. Tons of white people. The word slave comes from Slav. Yeah. Slavic peoples were the original slaves, not black not black people mm. that all came later so yeah abs- absolutely mm. i agree with you on that point 100 percent. and i th- and I, for me like i think because i don't feel bad about this t-shirt at all uh, the only thing i feel bad is that this i'm getting too fat for it but <laughs> apart from that <laughs> and I, that I is think, your guilt yeah. <laughs> your consumerist guilt <laughs> <laughs> no but I, are, you I, a f- are you a fan of zizek do you know slavoj zizek no i need to I, but i i can hear that i need to know him you must yeah I'm, i met him in a starbucks uh-huh. Weirdly enough, I was watching him for seven years on, on say, watching him. I play Grand Theft Auto and listen to him on YouTube. Yeah. And he was always talking about your stupid Starbucks you pay for the Guatemalan children and so on. He's Slovenian. He has a, a strong lisp. And then I met him in a Starbucks. I was actually there in a Starbucks eating a and chicken sandwich. What was sandwich. he doing? Well, I, was, I was like, dude, why are you in here? I am also indulging in the chicken sandwich. <laughs> um, he's a cool guy. Super, super cool guy. I've seen him speak publicly a, a, a number of times. Really, really smart dude. He's a Mark and a psychoanalyst so he's on the extreme left um but i love listening to his analysis of things Mm -hmm. because even if i disagree with it Mm -hmm. i can be like okay i learned something like that so they have a very it's a very unique way of looking at the world but his his analysis as far as consumer capitalism goes and the ideology that supports it is spot on i highly recommend it Mm. i i I, about my t-shirt i think about it this way whoever Whoever produced it or whoever made it, mm. that person got some money. Mm. It might not be a lot, mm. but without my T-shirt, they might not have gotten anything. Mm. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, and it has to start somewhere. I mean, it 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 like you know, like um, economies go through a life cycle of of cheap labor into a little bit more advanced into and and that was actually talking Ukraine that was happening and that's what I hate about this is because I've been going to Ukraine for 15 years almost and and we were finally seeing now that there was a there was an IT industry building up programming startups you know mm. that we could see kind of the the front runners mm. of creating a middle class mm-hmm. that was coming mm. and now I'm worried that that will just go to nothing because of course as you said there will be a brain drain those people they can work anywhere in the world they will yeah. move the ones that are behind are the unskilled the ones that are kind of stuck to being in one place mm. so yeah so the way that i see this is that if i if if my stuff is produced in a responsible way in a, in an area which otherwise would be no work just mm. agriculture or depending on the fucking rice crop that the weather controls and whatever mm. i'm not sure it's good so it's good to make motorhead t-shirts. On on that, I would be a full-blown Marxist. I wanted to and, and and say that it isn't. I'd be a revolutionary with that one. At one point earlier, I said that in the Catholic Church, you can buy favors. They weren't called favors. They were called indulgences. I just remembered. Marx and Engels, when they wrote the Communist Manifesto, part of their horror and their frustration was actually based on the um, 
the sweatshop style factories and the poor houses that they saw in London. Mm. Um, so yes, you're right. Historically, mm. they've always been there. People have always had subsistence style farming, subsistence style living. Mm. The idea of excess is fairly new. Excess mm. product, excess, pro excess profit. And it is a part of the capitalist model. With you saying what, what you were saying there, when I think about that as being like the starting point to enter into some kind of capitalism, I find it so, it's so horrifying and mm. such a, I understand what you're saying, but it's such a deeply cynical view that that is the beginning of some kind of fair trade. They're basically slaves, but at least <laughs> maybe one day that little girl who's made your t-shirt you know, one day being in like 40 years time, she can kill. You're getting <laughs> the, softer on the me, team, Richard, The team you know? leader of the workshop and she can take over. I just think that's awful. No, <laughs> so, but she, it, so she can run her own slave plantation. <laughs> Fucking hell. No, but, but without, without this, without this, without manufacturing in, yeah. in, in places like this. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm saying, granted that we provide, or, or the, the capital behind it provides mm. uh, proper working conditions and, mm. and, and, and all that. Mm. Without this, mm. what would those people do? Um, before I answer that, would you mind trying to answer that question, the rhetorical question? What do you think those people would do? I think, I think, I think what happens is in, in countries like China, which basically became the sweatshop of the world in a way, um, that, uh, meant that fewer people worked the land, mm. uh, fewer people were dependent on agriculture and, and, and kind of living from a day to day, hoping that they could, I don't know, grow an animal or a crop or, or mm. whatever. Mm. And and they can they they get a stable income that is more secure. Yes, it doesn't buy them an iPhone that they are producing there, but mm. it it maybe their grandchildren will. <laughs> and I know it's <laughs> <You're> I, cynical <laughs> fuck <laughs> No, but it's this is this is just economics. I mean, it's not. Yeah. I, I know it's not humane. I'm not, I know yeah. it's not necessarily. I wouldn't want to be those people. No, I'm no. I'm lucky enough to be born at yeah. the right place in the right time. Yeah, yeah. But I, it has to. I mean, I, I come from a country in Iceland where we were farmers and fishermen. We had mm. nothing. We were a mm. colony of Denmark. They sucked every value out of the country. Mm. Any fish that they wanted to sell out had to go through a Danish exporter. Mm. They took all the margins. We got. We just made it. We were living from a day to day. Mm. And, but eventually it evolved. It, it, you know, like people moved into the cities. They got jobs. It, mm. it, I mean, it took, I mean, in Iceland it took 50, 60 years. Mm. Like that. And that's what happened actually in China already. You have a, you have some sort of an indication of a middle class. There are mm. people that are able to travel. They are able to put their kids through school. You you can't take a nation that has nothing but agriculture and maybe some raw minerals and just expect them to be rich. No, like absolutely not. They, <laughs> it just doesn't work. <laughs> In many ways, my my it's maybe not a counter argument, but but an. Uh, an opposing view mm. is maybe even less humane than yours. I would say in a country where, if you said to me like, oh, we either put the sweatshops in or they starve, I would say let them starve. Mm. Because it's a bit like, uh, do you remember Star Trek? Mm. They had, I can't remember what the rule was, but they were not allowed to intervene with a civilization that hadn't um, already done interstellar travel. They couldn't show them that they had this technology because it would ruin them. 
And in some ways, I'm for just letting people figure it out themselves. It's it's evolution. It's mm-hmm. it's necessary. And everything that we do, you know, that sounds really really cruel, but in a way, it's kind of like it's based on the principles of Buddhism. You're not whatever you do, it has a karmic impact. People confuse karma. The word Sanskrit word for karma just means action, and it's um, it's like. Physics, thermodynamics, Newtonian principles, cause and effect. Mm. Everything, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. I would say just don't touch it. Just mm. just leave it there. Mm. If if they are starving to death, then the human biological system will kick in and their sex drive will go down and their fertility rates will go down, which is a natural response to starvation, mm. and they'll have less children. But don't put sweatshops in. But the, 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 talking like this... <sighs> Listen, I'm, I'm I'm training to be a benevolent dictator. I'm yeah, telling you, I, I got to practice. I got to practice these ideas. No, but 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 honestly, like a lot of people would feel triggered by this. Well, I'm sure we're talking about letting people starve or enslaving them. It's a very triggering decision. <laughs> yeah, but it's still a conversation that ha- that that is justifiable. Do you know what I mean? The, absolutely, the... absolutely. We have we, we don't have these conversations enough because we're so fucking hypersensitive mm. about our feelings. And, and so reactionary. We, we're, we're basically a culture that has borderline personality disorder. Mm. We, we, we're too emotionally dysregulated to deal with these adult decisions, but they have to be made. There's another issue we don't talk about enough, which is IQ. Another one is population control. Mm. So we're just going to breed willy-nilly. We're just going to like, we're just going to let, it's my right to breed. Not under my uh, dictatorship, it wouldn't be. Mm. You can't just make people. Mm. You, I, I would just say, no, that's not a reasonable proposition. When the the population of of humanity has exploded, is it from two million in eighteen fifty to nearly eight million mm-hmm. today? It's something like that, yeah, right? Eight billion. Eight billion today. Mm-hmm. We should think about that. We should mm-hmm. talk about that mm-hmm. and be like, well, maybe this isn't. Can we, can, okay, maybe we have the conversation. And we conclude, no, it's absolutely fine. Okay, but can we please have the conversation? Mm. We should talk about slave labor. We should talk about allowing nations to deal with their own problems, even if there's genocide, even if there's, I don't know, rape or genital mutilation or terrible practices that we consider pedophilia. We at least have to have the conversation. After the conversation, we may conclude, no, we should intervene. We Mm. should offer regime change. I'd say, okay, give me a charter. Give me a way of knowing when it's time. But let's not, let's not, talk around it and infer let's actually have some firm rules about what we do and don't do when it's time to intervene in another nation or, or another culture's development mm. it shouldn't just be that we just do it without the conversation because we're squeamish yeah but i also <clears throat> like um for me that's that's also part of this kind of arrogant worldview is that that um the culture that we have and that we live in and believe in is the culture that should automatically be imposed a hundred percent i i agree with you a hundred percent i think it's a dreadful attitude to have mm. dreadful we don't know what evil uh, again it's karma i think this is cool i think starbucks and mcdonald's and zara and you know whatever is cool could be the worst corruption on earth i just don't know because i'm infected with my own cultural indoctrination mm. if i don't infect your culture with my ideology then i didn't do that and Mm. so the karma is an awful lot cleaner Mm. it's not uh, that goes on a spectrum i think that there are givens you probably shouldn't fuck children there are good reasons Mm. physically and psychologically you probably shouldn't engage in the genital mutilation of children you shouldn't have child soldiers these are things that i think we can uh, should be yeah we have a value set most Uni- of us that yes yeah. universal mm. givens these are these are hard philosophical and political questions 
if we're not going to have this debate now, then when? Mm. You know, we're becoming the age, the generation that makes these decisions, I hate to tell you, because we're staring down the barrel of 50 years old. Mm. And historically, it's 50-year-old men and up who've made these kind of decisions. We should be thinking about this. Mm. We should, uh, uh, and at least, if we're not going to be the guys in charge, as in you and I in this room, if we value these conversations, we should at least be platforming them and supporting the idea that these are conversations that, yes, they trigger people, but I'm not going to not have a conversation because some bellend with blue hair somewhere is going to write me a shitty post on YouTube. Mm. I don't care. <laughs> but it's talking about that, I mean, because I also wanted to talk to you about censoring because I know that you've been censored. I mean, and, and you have uh, had, like, you have a two YouTube channels at least. One one is like 300 and something thousand yep. followers and then you have a another one that is 30, 40,000 or something like that. Yeah, and another one that's 25,000. They, they already deleted an Instagram account with 25,000 followers on it. Mm. And they sh they've threatened to completely delete my channel with 325,000. It's had two medical misinformation strikes in a year. Mm. And it was uh, switched off for a week. Um, so they've just said to me, like, if you, if you screw up like this again, basically, if you give your opinion on vaccines publicly again, we'll delete the whole channel, eight years worth of work, and you won't get it back. And, and this kind of relating what you were saying, having a dialogue, discussing those difficult matters, mm -hmm. having a, a debate about things that, yeah, might trigger someone or might, uh, I don't know, affect people differently. Mm. In, in, in an age of censorship, that, that's impossible. Yes, because we've fallen prey to a kind of malignant collectivism which takes the responsibility away from the individual. And I would say to, to everybody listening... Try, you know, use your social intelligence, use your emotional intelligence, understand when I'm being ironic and joking or not. Because if you take everything I say literally, of course it will be offensive. Mm. But these are offensive issues. Like these are, we have to talk about abortion. We have to talk about the, the you know, all consent and rape and all these horrible, tricky, triggering issues in a way that's sane and in a way that's not about protecting your individual precious feelings, but potentially protecting the victims or potentially protecting the people who are going to be affected by this. Mm. I would trigger 10,000 uh, Jews or 10,000 Muslims uh, or 100,000 Muslims to save the, uh, the genitals of millions of kids. Mm. There is no medical justification for circumcision in girls or boys. It's an insane proposition, and we have to stop doing it today. I think that's something that I could urgently get behind. But, you know, there's a huge pushback for that because you start talking about religious rights and everything else. These are we, We're either going to be adults and we're going to have the conversation, in which case everybody who's listening has to take it upon themselves as an individual to toughen the fuck up or turn it off. Mm. Don't tell me to stop speaking because you don't like the way it makes you feel. That's your responsibility, not mine. Mm. Part of the, the second element to this in the culture we're living in now, we have malignant collectivism, we have abrogation of individual responsibility, and then we have this weird boundarylessness where we say, well, you said a thing and it made me feel a thing. And so you're saying it is responsible for how it made me feel. And it's always, I'm offended. Well, why? Well, what if it's highly arousing? What if you say, I love my Motorhead t-shirt and I just start jerking off in the street publicly? Do you know what I mean? It's a really, it's as daft as that though. Like mm -hmm. what, 
you said a thing and then I had an emotional reaction. Is me mm. jerking off in the street. That's my fucking sexual fetish. Mm. I just love motorhead t-shirts and I yeah. love jerking off publicly. Is that your fault that I'm now committing a crime? Mm. No. Mm. So similarly, if I cry because I find it upsetting that, that, that you're talking about sweatshops, who's, who's, responsibility is that it has to be the responsibility of the individual who's crying we have mm. to have a hard boundary on that we can't if you're if you're blatantly lazily pornographically saying something that's offensive for no other reason other than that it upsets people the polite reasonable and discreet and adult thing to do is to switch off your mic or get you to stop or try not to listen to you Mm. I can't cut out your tongue. That that's not a reasonable and adult response. It's just not. There maybe you just have Tourette's, or maybe you have another condition that means you have to say offensive things. It's uh, we, we're gonna as a culture, we're gonna have to decide how to move forward with difficult conversations, and we've got to stop this propensity towards authoritarianism. You said, I don't know whether the mic whether the mic was rolling when you said that we're moving left, but it's becoming. Mm. less liberal and mm. more authoritarian. Yeah, it was before we recorded Before. Yeah. So we have to understand there's a political compass that's not just left and right. Left and right is the x-axis. On the y-axis, at the top of the y-axis, there's authoritarianism, and mm. at the bottom, there's libertarianism. So when we say liberal, we generally mean left, but that's a fairly modern, and, and quite frankly, it's an Americanism. Mm. It's American leftists, Democrats who considered themselves liberal, in the UK, liberal means you're dead center. Mm. And there are such things as right-wing libertarians, depending on where you are. Our liberals are not, they're moving up the y-axis towards authoritarianism. They're mm. becoming, uh, not even communist, Stalinist. Mm. These are the words. We're going to police the words you can say. And then after that, we're going to police the thoughts you can think. That's not an exaggeration, by the way. We're already there. Mm. I've had young indoctrinated people tell me that I'm racist because I said in a podcast with my friend who happens to be Viet a Vietnamese American, people should be allowed to choose which ethnicity they have sex with. And uh, they, they messaged me and said, you're racist. I'm like, because I'm promoting liberal freedom of choice. Mm -hmm. What are you saying? Because I'm white, I have to have sex with white people. Like, what are you, a Nazi? What, what the fuck is this? Like, mm -hmm. no, I get to choose. You don't get to choose. But policing my sexual desire, these kids, me, she doesn't even know me, this girl, mm. took a time out of her day, sent me a long email explaining to me why I am racist. I'm like, what the fuck does my sexual desire have to do with you? I didn't say which race I prefer. Maybe you heard, oh, I prefer white people. I actually don't. Mm. But it's none of your fucking business. Mm. <laughs> Literally your fucking business. None of your fucking business. It's my fucking business. But that's the... They're in other people's stuff. So we're training people now, kids, to be authoritarian, Stalinist-style busybodies mm. who are in other people's stuff. If we don't stop this, we're going to have no private discretionary spaces left. And by the way, if you're inculcated in that ideology, which I'm not, imagine I was a 25-year-old man and I've been in that ideology for years. How could I have any lustful thought about a woman? that didn't trigger some kind of politically correct microaggression, transgression inside my brain. Mm. People are now policing their own lust. They're trying to convince themselves, themselves that they find attractive things that they don't find attractive, or they're interested in the type of sex they're not interested in. My concern with this, 
not not to drift the conversation too much is that you can be anything now, but you mustn't be heterosexual. Mm-hmm. The heter- like the taboo is now heterosexuality. Mm-hmm. Your heterosexuality has to be with something. It has to have a queer um, or fringe element integrated into it, or it's not valid. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just not a valid form of sexuality. That's my claim. That's my claim. And this this is a this is coercion. It's a silent coercive movement that you see very common on this kind of radical left, authoritarian left, what we call the woke. But by whom? I mean, do, do you understand what I mean? Like, yes. if if I think about like, um, if we take trans people as an example, mm. it's a it's a it's a very small minority of the population. Yeah. And uh, but of obviously things that evolve around that community or or or. I don't know lifestyle or or you know what or ident- how how these people identify themselves takes a lot of space. Yes. But it takes so much space that it's not you know it's not just the people who belong to that group it's other people on behalf of that group as well. And I'm th- I'm just thinking who who benefits from kind of moving us to a position where we feel bad about ourselves. We feel that we cannot be, I don't know, heterosexual or, or, or you know, who, who's who's winning this game? I mean, like, or is there a winner in this game? You know, like, why would someone have an agenda that that young people cannot just be straight, for example, if I, you take that as an example? I can, I can answer that question with um, statistical data that mm. I've looked at. Um, I've never spoken about this anywhere. It's probably the most controversial thing I'll say in this. Great. Do you do you have a do you have a guess of who it is? Do you do you, do you know who it might be? If you were going to point to a demographic that's highly motivated to speak out with social activism and tell you who it is, who do you, who do you think that demographic is? There's just one guy that comes to my mind, but I I mean I don't think that Bill Gates has sex not <laughs> even with himself, so it can't be him. Um, the the uh, the number of trans people who've contacted me uh, to tell me what my sexuality should be is zero. Mm-hmm. The number of um, people of color, be they black or Asian or you know Maori, who've come to me telling me my views are racist, are zero. Mm-hmm. The number of gays who have co- gay men, gay women who've come to me saying that I am homophobic is is ex- I'm not making this up. It's precisely zero. Mm-hmm. It is white, American, middle-class, middle-aged women. There is a term for Oh, you mean the whole demographic? Okay, not just Bill Gates. He's not, not, he doesn't belong to it, but he looks like that. He's got boobs. He does have boobs, yes. He's highly estrogenized. Yeah. Um, they call this uh, awfuls, American white female liberals. Not all. I have been approached by some uh, social activists who were, who were what's the politically correct term? People of color. Mm. Um uh, some from one or two from South America, but mainly it's white women. It's white middle-aged women. So who's doing the controlling was your question. Mm. AWFL, awfuls, American white female liberals, largely speaking. That's not me saying it. That's the that's the research. That's the data. But do you think that they have like a, is it just uh, based on impulsive, I don't know, lack of anything better to do? <laughs> Kind of, you know what I mean? What, what? I'm so sorry. I said American. That's my anti-Americanism. It's affluent white female liberals, uh-huh. which answers your question. They have nothing better to do. They have nothing better to do. They have time and they have money. They have access to the internet. 
their emotions. They can write the emails to people like you. Exactly. Like, you know, Karen's by any other name. Um, I was told the other day that that's a racial slur because Karens are white, and I just think, oh, would you fuck off? Yeah, but um, then anti-white or racist towards whites, or or if I, if I as a white man say that the the women who do this are Karens, that means I'm engaging in a, a racial slur against white women. Well, that well, that's that's okay. They're white. <laughs> I can say what I want, right? Yeah. There's an open season of them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm white. They're white. They yeah. just have to suck it the fuck yeah. off. So. I'm not that. That's the statistics. That's the thick end of the wedge of who's mm. of who's doing this. And you asked why, because they've been brainwashed into an ideology of resentment and hatred. They really think, like non-ironically, many of these women have been brainwashed and ideologically infected into thinking that now is the moment of revenge against men, and who is the worst man on earth to these AWFLs? White men. What kind of white man? The white middle-aged man. This is mass psychosis. This is a, a mass psychosis of daddy issues. Um, white middle-aged men look and sound like their fathers when they were children. So these are the targets. And it's just, it's become a, an accepted political movement, which I find completely insane. I, I, don't, I don't see how we can just let a whole slice of the demographic declare open season on men. And their attitude is, what am I doing today? I don't have much to do. Got the money from my divorce settlement. I'll go online, um, then have some drinks later. What should I do in the <laughs> meantime? Let's let's go hunt some men. Mm. And uh, this is this is happening broad scale. Mm. It's it, it ruins. It's it's actually ruining communication on the internet. This kind of um, weak-willed, highly emotional, zero nuance, fairly low IQ, um, moderately educated but low brow analysis of everything their hot take on everything is garbage it's not just these awfls there are people of color who do this there are men who do this there's tons of people who do this but the thick end of the wedge and i'm talking statistically is has been identified affluent white female liberals mm. what i find but when i when i look at conversations like this and and and, uh, and the, let's say the most um, extreme positions that that i see by in it's it's very often people that I know. I know this doesn't necessarily sound good. I hope that none of my friends are listening to this. But uh, mm. it's the people that I know that are not necessarily super clever, yeah. and they they never do their homework. They just take one impulsive, emotional based uh, thing or a feeling, and that that becomes their whole kind of narrative. A hundred percent on a topic, and they never see the other side. They never mm. think it through. No. And that the knowledge, the information they've garnered to get there has come from a Facebook post or a YouTube video. Mm. I know this. They don't even open Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. They won't spend seven minutes to read a Wikipedia entry. I've seen this time and again. We're back to uh, the, the forbidden, verboten, haram issues of the day, which is IQ. We're not allowed to talk about IQ. Look, some people ain't that bright. Mm. They, they ain't that bright. Do they have a right to an opinion? Of course they do. Should we listen to them? Of course we should. Mm. But should we account for the fact that their analysis is uh, is a little low resolution, But to put it politely? Yes, of course we should. We shouldn't just listen because of force of numbers. Again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not democratic. That democracy is a corruption. Democracy means rule by the demos, by the people. Well, the average IQ 
is the mean, median, or mode of, of the intelligence of a group of people. Mm. And average IQI people, when it comes to complicated issues, are sometimes too stupid. to They don't have the processing ability to understand an issue. They just don't have it. And it's kind of cruel to sort of push them into a position where they have to have an opinion on a subject that they can't grasp. Mm. They just can't grasp it. So they feed you back sound bites. They feed you back the opinion of another low IQ idiot who happens to have access to a webcam and the internet who runs a YouTube channel or is posting things on Facebook. So you have morons informing morons who are then repeating moronic positions on highly complicated issues, and it really corrupts the space. Mm -hmm. I will never apologize for that position. No, and but I, I think also it's it's uh, it's interesting that you say this. You know, like, first of all, everybody has a voice now. Mm. I mean, a, lo a lot of people that have a voice today and have a big voice doesn't necessarily mean that they have yeah, high IQ or, or their, that their viewpoints Absolutely are really thought not. through. This we wouldn't have, I don't know, like 20 years ago, that you, you, we wouldn't have seen those views. So I think everybody feels this entitlement to, to, to have their views out there mm. and they have the access. And, and I think it affects, you know, like if I look at politicians, I, I've been looking into uh, those guys in, in the, take this guy in Canada, I mean, this fascist guy there, you know, he's crazy actually. Who? The Trudeau guy. Oh, the guy who loves to party in blackface. Yeah. The, uh, the great liberal left-wing savior of the social justice movement who cannot remember how many times he went to a Halloween party in blackface. He literally can't remember because he did it so many fucking times. Yes. That guy, yes, yes. So he, he, he um, for me, he, him and, and the woman in, in New Zealand um, <laughs> and... Uh, and a few others like this, um, they call her AOC in, in the U.S., this Alicia yes. Ocasio-Cortez, I think her name is. Mm -hmm. When I look at those people, I see, I don't see ideologists. I see uh, populists that are kind of, they're in politics for some other reason. Yeah. And, and they're very active on social media. They're very kind of, they're quick to jump on. Everything like this uh, Trudeau guy, he supported the Black Lives Matters riots. I mean, a lot of it was riots, not all of it, but a lot of it was riots. He supported it no matter what. 100%. He then went against peaceful truck drivers that, yeah, they blocked the city and that harmed the economy and the society yeah. for sure. Yeah. But he froze their accounts. He, he arrested people and so on. So he, the double standards are amazing. Mm. I get a feeling with those people that they are, they're actually in politics to get somewhere else. They want to write a book or they want to, I don't know, work for the United Nations or they mm. want to be ambassadors or they mm. want to... And, and they see this just as a platform and that, that they're growing their social media, following their TikTok and all that stuff. Mm. So by, by being like that, they are extremely exposed to people like you were describing, those mm -hmm. keyboard warriors mm. that are have time and, and, and are willing to spend it on, on, on this. Mm. So... Maybe, yeah, these people are, I can imagine if I was a prime minister of a country and I had direct access to two million mm. currents, mm. it would get through to me, right? A hundred percent. I think it's insane that uh, I, I said this, I think it was in 2014 when the White House went on YouTube and I was like, I, I don't, I don't understand how this is happening. It shouldn't be happening. We shouldn't have, politicians shouldn't have Twitter. But I, I shouldn't be reading the immediate responses that have not been filtered of a politician whilst he's taking a shit. 
I don't think the White House has a place on YouTube. I just don't think it belongs there. Mm. I don't. I never thought it belonged there. There have to be boundaries. There have to be layers of analysis and cleansing and filtering of messages before they're spurted out into the world. Any pol- Say if I was an assistant to a politician, I'd say delete your Twitter. Mm. Take that off your phone. Mm. You're not going on Instagram. You're not going on Facebook. You're supposed to have your own ideas. You're supposed to have ideals that you're working towards, a vision that you're working for. Don't be corrupted by this garbage. No human being is stronger than that. No human being is stronger than that. So, of course, everything everything meld goes the wrong way. The people you mentioned, AOC, Trudeau, and, and Jacinta down in New Zealand, these are empty vessels. Mm. They're empty vessels. Absolutely, they're career politicians, but it's worse than that. I don't mind if you're a career politician and you're doing it to sell a book or, you know, uh, have a legacy or because you've got narcissistic fantasies. I, I live with that. That's po- Career politicians have, have always been that way. This is worse. These are really empty fucking vessels. Mm. They'll say whatever they need to say to get popular support of a particular kind. They're addicted to a particular kind of echo chamber, and they're addicted to harming the other team. They're all infected with what Gad Saad calls epistemological dichotomania, which means their whole way of understanding the world is infected with a mania that brings things into a dichotomy. Mm. People now only understand two things. Why? Probably because we have two eyes and two hands. We're just stupid humans. If it can't be uh, relegated down into two opposing, highly polarized opinions, people don't want to talk about it. Mm. What we just said before about Putin will go over people's heads because neither of us is ragingly, frothingly pro-Putin or ragingly, frothingly anti-Putin. People literally now are so infected with epistemological dichotomania, they cannot absorb the information. They Mm. won't absorb that conversation we had. In fact, they'll tune it out. They'll just go, well, I'm not interested in this. But this, like, yeah, this polarizing and 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 I, I think because yeah as i said in the beginning we were talking here kind of in the middle of covid and, and then shit got worse i mean they came with vaccine mandates they came with this kind of hunting down the unvaccinated it was going to be the winter of death mm. uh, putin no putin <laughs> biden said that yeah it's going to be the winter of death and desperation for the unvaccinated they're they're, they're all alive you know like there's no yeah, no I'm, problem i'm still here i'm fine yeah and uh, me too and then um I've had COVID twice in two months, no problem. Yeah, I had I had it once. It was, I mean, it took me a while, but it was fine, you know. Yeah. And and but I, I, at, at the get go, I was five hundred miles away from risk group anyway, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't really expect it to be anything. But yeah. but it's it was really interesting to see what happened during COVID. Is that I felt like this whole censorship and the right ideas and the wrong ideas did got kind of um, I don't know. It's it's firmer now than ever before and. And 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 I was watching a video that you did on your YouTube when you were talking about Joe Rogan because he had the audacity of bringing people on to his show. That one guy, this uh, Peter McCullough, who spoke about early treatment, we should have tried more early treatment. Mm. He wasn't saying no vaccine or anything like that. He was mm. just saying we should have tried more early treatment because we're starting too late. We're bringing yeah. people in too yeah. late, and it's too late when they're a in per- the hospital. A perfectly reasonable medical exactly. position. And and he said... And it's quite mild, actually. There's multi- nothing extreme about that. Exactly. And multiple times when there have been new diseases in history, you try different uh, medicine from different diseases. Mm. They call it off-label experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other guy was... Um, this uh, Robert Malone, who who basically 
um, uh, he was, he was, his main point was, you don't need to vaccinate kids. Yeah. And and these two episodes caused such a stir and such a pushback, mm. calling for cancelling him, taking mm. him off the platform, mm. and uh, which is crazy because you're shooting the messenger. Mm. He didn't say. I mean, he. But would you ever? Would you ever see anyone on BBC saying, "Yeah, let's close down the BBC"? There was a guy that said the wrong thing on air, yeah. or, or or asking for an interviewer to be fired because he interviewed, <coughs> I don't know, an Islamic extremist or mm. or whatever. No, you, never. You just don't do that. But why is this pushback? Why is why why can't we hear people like you? Why can't we hear people like Joe Rogan? What's the problem with that? Um, or the people who visit you and him and whatever. I had the same thing on my channel, which was. Uh, uh, a psychology professor who was trained in Israel as um, uh, a doctor um, for three years, I believe. And he came on my channel and he said something similar, which was he's for the vaccine. He says mm. the vaccine's by his time, um, but it's actually antivirals that are going to save us. Antivirals will bring us out of this. And um, he said that we sh we've had a weirdly uh, vaccine primary um, procedure which is not normal and shouldn't have been done this way. We shouldn't have been fo so focused on vaccines. That's all he said. It's weird how focused on vaccines we are. We're not looking at other forms of therapy or uh, even ways of avoiding getting sick in the first place. It's vaccine, vaccine, vaccine at the cost of everything else. We've even swapped vaccines for donuts. We swapped vaccines for cheeseburgers. Mm -hmm. And in Austria, they swapped vaccines for visits to a prostitute. Mm -hmm. You couldn't fucking make it up. It's insane. Get a vaccine. How much do you want a vaccine? We're going to give you a session in a brothel if you get a vaccine. Why? Because it's for public health. Mm. No mention of dealing with people's obesity. No mention of vitamin D. Mm. No mention of healthier lifestyles, even though we know, they say follow the science, statistically, scientifically, these things help. Mm. You're less likely to get sick, and if you do get sick, you'll kick out your body faster. But if you dare say anything other than vaccine, 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 Spikes first, vaccines first. Yeah, you, you're you're cancelled and you're deplatformed. And but this guy that was on your your, your yeah. strikes, they came from a guy like that came and and was saying those things. No, he he, he all all Sam Backman said was he's for the vaccine. Vaccines are not a firewall, which is right. We're talking about vaccines like they were the final thing that would end the contagion and end the disease. Mm -hmm. Which vaccines never have done that. Mm. It's a ridiculous premise. He said, it's not a firewall. It shouldn't be primary, but everybody should take one to buy his time until we get an antiviral. They deleted that and threatened me uh, with deletion of my channel because he said that. I didn't say it. He said it. I nodded along and agreed because he knows more about medicine than I do. But wait, they... I don't know. Like, why... Why, why is it dangerous when he says it on your show, yeah, and not if he says it on CNN? I don't know. I, I, I mean, look. I think you can either look at the content of what people are saying, or you can look at their actions. And clearly, there has been a move towards protecting a sacred. How would you put it? Like a sacred doctrine here. Mm. It's vaccines, okay? Just accept it. Everybody needs to get vaccinated. Anybody who says anything, anything 
that tiptoes outside the line of that, get rid of them. Mm. Event 201, uh, the strategy was called Flood the Zone. I'm sure you've seen those videos mm. where they practiced for a coronavirus in September of 2019 and they ran the drill and they said, what would we do to control social media? What would we do to control, control the news channels? And uh, they took a term from basketball, which is Flood the Zone. Flood the zone with your message and drown out every other message. What was our message? You must, must, must get vaccinated. Mm. Show me the science for that. Mm. They, and they can't. You, you only have to say, by the way, you only have to say, I'm not sure that getting vaccinated is the best way of dealing with this. Please show me the science that indicates that and you'll be deplatformed. And and that's the <clears throat> that's the other thing. I mean, it's obvious for, to me, like, and, and I... I um, uh, I listened to some guy. There was a journalist, I think, who, who was describing how how it works with YouTube and and uh, Facebook and those that. So what they do, and and I'm pretty sure I'm 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 not always sure that they have these kind of um, monstrous bad ideas behind or thoughts behind it. But so basically, what what seems to have been the case is that they said, okay, so we're gonna choose a governing body. Mm. That we're gonna, that their recommendations and their truth is gonna be our truth, no matter what, which is bad. It's bad on a platform which is supposed to be for everyone by everyone. You know, mm -hmm. like we are the content creators. We're putting the stuff out there. So they pick the CDC in the in the US uh, in this case. And even even if uh, there were there were cases. I think it was the Brett Weinstein and his wife or something. There were cases where people were going on YouTube channels talking about something that the World Health Organization mm -hmm. had issued as a guideline. Yeah. But that contradicted the CDC. Yes. So the YouTube said, no, we follow CDC. We yes. don't care if, if World Health Organization says yes. otherwise. Yeah. You're deplatformed. Yeah. And um, it's so... It's just so crazy to think about it, like that you you go against the people who are actually providing the traffic. You make money off them. You've sold advertisement. You, mm -hmm. you know, you. I mean, I'm sure that YouTube has made ten times more of your channel than you have. Plenty. They, they, we get thirty percent of what YouTube takes on Google okay. Ads. That's it. Yeah. So they take seventy percent more than I've taken. And uh, what I what I what I what I also found very fascinating in in. And it has happened now, and it just seems to be escalating and going faster and faster and faster. And I'm seeing it in the Russia thing now, is that it's misinformation. It's anti-vaxxer. You're a Trumpist. You, we have these catchphrases that kind of, it's a knockout. Mm. If if you, as you were saying, if you say, oh, can I see the science where a 40-year-old male who works out five times a week and, you know, is healthy and has no underlying disease needs a vaccine. Oh, you're anti-vaxxer, and yeah. that's that. Then you're kind of out of the conversation. Oh yeah, people said that to me on Instagram. They were like, "Oh, I'm so disappointed now. I know you're an anti-vaxxer." I'm like, "I am vaccinated for polio and mm. tuberculosis." Mm. Jesus Christ! I'm not for being rushed into an experimental mRNA quote unquote vaccine. Mm. This is not a vaccine as we've ever known it in medical history. Mm. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. You know, and it is experimental. Mm. And I am a bit worried about it because I'm looking at what it's trying to combat. So I had COVID. Uh, I was told it's a coronavirus. And I was told I'm not a doctor. I'm not a virologist. I was told many of our flus 
are coronaviruses. I have had the flu before. Presumably, I've had a coronavirus flu before. Mm. This particular virus was strange. I got the smell of burning cigarettes three or four times a day. It gave me terrible uh, erectile dysfunction for 10 days, mm -hmm. which is... I, I, I was like, what the hell is this? You know, and I looked it up. And it, as, are you okay now? Or to, um, I'm, well, asking, right, I'm as, asking for Karen. As I'm looking straight into your eyes now. No. Oh, I'm okay. <laughs> it's that Moahead t-shirt that does it for me. But te 10 days, I was like, what the hell? So you tell me what kind of a flu mm. gives you uh, yeah. olfactory hallucinations where you think you can smell cigarette smoke or switches your dick off. I mean, it was... For 10 days, I went and looked at the research. It's a common... I mean, and I, I have a doctor in the family, and she's, generally speaking, she's for the mainstream narrative and everything. But I, one night, she had a couple of drinks, and I said, you must have some questions about this. And she said, okay. She said, in viruses, there are viruses that do strange things. She said, you can have a virus, and it mainly attacks this system, but it can give you a strange effect, say, in your cardiovascular system she said in all my years and she's a she's a doctor but she was her name is in research uh, in genetics actually she said i've never seen a virus that can affect so many different systems at the same time in such a random way so it affects your neurology it affects mm -hmm. your cardiovascular mm -hmm. system mm -hmm. it affects the pulmonary system it affects your nervous system she said there's nothing like this that has ever happened before so the virus itself is a very strange thing and then we come out extraordinarily rapidly. We break the records of medical history by uh, eight years. So typically it takes 10 years. We managed yep. to come up with it inside of six to nine months. And everybody's just saying, just pump this into your body. And mm. I'm like, you know, I'm not saying never, but can I wait four or five years, please, to see if you fuckers grow a second head or a third arm before mm. I... I don't know what it's going to do. Mm. And as you've heard already, you know, there's allegations that it's creating other serious immune immune system disorders yeah they just actually released the data now that they wanted and that and that's that's the thing like i don't know my, what i felt during during this covid and i think unfortunately is kind of translating into the the conflict uh, russia ukraine conflict mm. and and probably has been in a lot of other things and we didn't know in the past i mm. mean probably in the world war ii there was propaganda movies and fake news and all that but we just didn't have any means to kind of debunker it you know like or debunk it you know we we couldn't really nobody had a phone on the ground yes we couldn't look in a photo database and see yeah but this woman was actually also in a gas explosion in china five years ago how can she be now in world war ii you know whatever yes. like what's happening there's a lot of silly stuff going on and but what i felt during covid is that there was this agreed narrative you couldn't stray from it and then a lot of lot of indicators were kind of left gray and that gives room for people to think okay so why like for example this data about the the, the vaccine trials they wanted 75 years no 55 years or 75 years to release it mm -hmm. why why <laughs> why is that that if that why if you want me to trust you mm. then just show me the data yeah don't hide it yeah yeah, why and, does it why does it need to be fifty five years yeah. before we can look at it? That's a very very strange decision on top of a bunch of clearly very strange decisions. And and I I, I don't know I th I I like I feel like we we yeah dude, COVID kind of gave gave um I don't know like a license to basically yeah deplatform censor uh, follow the mainstream 
and no questions asked. Oh, and uh, create the circumstances for a huge transfer of wealth mm. from down to up. Mm. Strange how many agendas it fulfilled all in one mm. within two years. I mean, the transfer of wealth and the destruction of the middle class has been huge, mm. absolutely devastating. We're at a point now where we are becoming every day a little bit more ready to accept a full over overhaul excuse me, of our entire financial system. Mm. Interesting. The war with Russia cre creates sanctions, which is going to have an effect on our economy again. Mm. So our next crisis is a financial crisis again. Mm. And you start to think, hmm. What purpose does this serve? What what direction are we being shuffled into mm. here? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's for sure. I mean, like, I, I, I heard a really cool um, uh, interview with an Italian uh, economist the other day, and he... He said that after the financial crisis of 2008, we didn't really flush the toilet. We, instead of just letting whatever had to go bankrupt, go bankrupt, they kind of started pumping cheap money into the system to keep banks and financial institutions 100%, alive. 100%. That, that, that didn't deserve to live. They didn't. They should have died. They absolutely we, should have died. Yeah, and then we, we went 10 years mm. or more <laughs> until COVID starts. We went on cheap money. We went on floating through the system, super mm. cheap money that always ends up with the rich people mm -hmm. and when it finally reaches regular Joes like us, mm -hmm. there's nothing left of it. Or it's yeah. been eaten by inflation or, or interest yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and so he this guy was saying is that COVID was a perfect thing because it was kind of it it showed how easily we can be controlled and manipulated. Mm -hmm. So now they know, okay, we can just send the people home. And they did. They sent us home and then they paid healthy people from for being at home, mm -hmm. printing more money, making mm -hmm. the the state's more in-depth mm. and creating inflation. And he said the only way out of this is more crisis. Yeah. Because that, then you extend the party. You can and that's, still print money. And that is all we're doing. And that's what we did since 2008. That's the model now. Mm. And people don't realize it. We're kicking a can. Mm. So people will say to what you just said there and what I just said is those banks should have been allowed to die. People will say, oh, my God. You're not thinking about the terrible pain and suffering that would have caused so many people. That terrible pain and suffering, my friends, is coming. Mm. You, or you've done nothing except kick it down the road and caused it to grow. Mm. This is not capitalism. It's, it, it astounds me that the stupidity people have where they're anti-socialist. You suggest any element of their country is socialist. They're up in arms and they're outraged. You tell me, what is more fucking socialist than a government bailing out all the banks mm. of the strongest economy mm. in the world? Mm. That's the most socialist thing you can yeah, do. It's and textbook. Pay, and paying healthy people for being at home. Yeah, 100%. It's mm. absolutely, uh, you're moving so far along the spectrum of socialism, you're moving towards communism at that point. Mm. Uh, and it astounds me that people haven't seen it and that they think, you know, everything is okay. The, the... I, I agree with your Italian economist 100%. We never recovered from 2008. Mm. We're still in 2008. Mm. It's It was, we you know, we broke the system. Mm. We broke it with mm. stupidity, with greed, and with a total lack of impulse control. We broke the fucking system. And now we're sort of sailing along on a broken plane. But the plane isn't fly, flying. Mm. It's falling. Mm. But you said, you said somewhere, because I mean, like, Trying to kind of piece all of this together somehow, you know, like you, you see this these echo chambers and these ideology wars, and you see the censorship and and controlling the narrative, and 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 it it feels somehow like we're all we're all looking the wrong way. We, we, we're 
there, there's this, there was this guy from Macedonia that I was working with last summer. We did some reconstruction of my girlfriend's restaurant, and and uh, uh, and he he told me a joke. He said that there were two Macedonians grilling a politician mm-hmm. on like a rotating grill, mm-hmm. and then one. This of sounds them like s- typical Balkan humor. Yeah. <laughs> and then the the one of them says, "Oh, you you're you're turning him too fast. He he won't he he won't cook through." Mm. No, no, but he's stealing from the potatoes. So like. That and and I have a feeling that <laughs> that you know you we we've been we've been looking at we've been scared we've been told that we are all gonna die and and then in reality the reality of the facts and the data it doesn't support it but at the same time they moved money they moved they created b- new billionaires and the current billionaires became even more billionaires and they they trained us in say, telling I I wouldn't be surprised that they would say now okay now you need to stay home every tuesday because of the environment or oh, it's whatever coming. Oh, it's coming 100% and and you t- but you said somewhere um, and that I was thinking how that you said we're becoming more atomized mm. and atoms typically don't like colliding or when mm. they collide there's a mm. a bomb mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why what is what causes that i mean why and and how what what do you describe as atomized? You know, we are cutting off from each other mm. um, because, well, it's becoming in a certain sense because of this broad scale ideological infection. It's becoming harder and harder to have rational conversations with people. Mm. It's becoming harder and harder to get along with people because people are, what would you say, kind of militarized their thinking is military it's weaponized their Mm. thinking is weaponized so that's tough um normal interactions take just men and women i mean not for me and you but for the young people now they just opt out of dating can you imagine that they've convinced teenagers horny young teenagers to just not bother with sex Mm. and not bother with dating how by criminalizing everything Mm. flirtation criminal act you know uh having sex with somebody potentially criminal act uh, all of it is the the grip is tightening on what you can and can't do, and we do all this and call ourselves a modern Western liberal democracy. You're free, but only to do exactly as we tell you. Mm. That's a line from Bill Hicks. You are free to do as we tell you, and that's getting truer and truer every single day as the noose tightens around us all. So it, it creates an atmosphere where on one on the one hand we have to continue with the lie, this lie that. We have our freedom and we can do whatever I want, whatever we want. But on the other hand, our wants, our needs and our drives are entirely manufactured and entirely coerced. And not human anymore or like not instinctive. Not instinctive at all. Mm. I'm sure right now, in fact, I know right now that out there, there are young men who are trying to convince themselves that they're gay. Mm. They're trying to convince themselves that they're gender fluid or 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 sexually, they, they have a queer sexuality in some way, to fit in. They're trying desperately to do that. Can you imagine the nightmare of that? Mm. They can't just want what they want. Mm. They can't just have a completely vanilla, boring, heterose- heterosexual desire without feeling tremendous guilt for it. So this level of coercion leads to a deep sense of shame and guilt. As a British uh, psychiatrist called Theodore Dalrymple, who said that political correct... What, what, can you repeat that name? Theodore... Dalrymple, D-A-L Dal. Dalrymple. R-Y-M-P-L-E. It's actually okay. it's actually just his uh, pen yep. name. Yep. Um, and he says that political correctness is communism writ small. Communism writ small because if you can be convinced to tell lies about your experience and about who you are, 
the shame that you feel carrying those lies allows greater lies to follow. And so then you start lying about everything. We're, we're moving into a time now where it's becoming very, very hard for people to have the will to tell the truth. It's becoming very, very hard for them to figure out what the truth is. Because mm. they don't even know themselves. They're so split from themselves. They're so fractured at an individual level that they're not really a self at all. Mm. They're not. So we have atomized non-selves. And they're distressed and they're upset and they don't feel good. The only time they enjoy anything, the only time they feel alive, is when they're screaming at somebody in some sort of weird... Uh, collective social activist movement that's against something. They're, they're, they're replacing authentic living, thriving, loving, and intimacy with this weird uh, predatory, parasitic thing where they have to get together in a collective group and scream. You remember the uh, Three Minutes of Hate mm. from 1984 mm. by mm. George Orwell? We are moving into a more and more Orwellian world every single day. But do you think that this is uh, primarily in the Western countries? I mean, because I, I, I kind of, I don't know. I have a, I have a hard time thinking of two guys sitting in, I don't know, somewhere in South Sudan. That's outrageous! You racist! How dare you say the South Sudan? Uh, okay. <laughs> it's patronizing. It's a hate crime. My God. <laughs> I've actually been there, not in South. I was in the other Sudan, and, and just say, it, it just, was say just say, just say, just say, it was great. <laughs> you can't take it back. Just say uh, Macedonia, because yeah. they're white, and <laughs> we could get away with that. No, but you, you get what I mean. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like this is very much a, a topic of the West. But I went to Serbia recently, and I worked in Belgrade. Mm. So Poland, Serbia, Macedonia. You think they'll never be politically correct? They'll never be woke. Here's my next pessimistic prediction for you. Yes, they will. Mm. There's no East and West anymore. Our ideology will infect everything in time. If you have the internet in your country, the people who run your country have to work damn hard for you to not get infected. You know who's doing that? China. Mm. They control that Chinese TikTok is not Western TikTok. They don't allow the levels of depravity and nonsense on there. If you know, they just they just will not have it. Mm. They 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 gatekeep the consciousness of their youth. They gatekeep the consciousness of their population. I'm not saying it's right. It's, it's that's every liberal bone in my body screams out against that. But the alternative is this kind of weird race to the bottom that we're in to see who can be the most degenerate and the most narcissistic and the most depraved. It's not a good way for a culture to go. Mm. We've 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 gone from cultural values can be overwhelming and tyrannical if they're excessively enforced to it's great if there are no values at all and everybody can just do whatever they want to you must do something weird without traditional values or else you've committed a crime so in psychoanalysis slavoj zizek my favorite slovenian philosopher says that every permission eventually becomes an injunction mm. over time so if i permit the population to be Uh, gender fluid or, or queer, sexually queer, eventually that becomes, so your permission, you may be gender fluid. It eventually becomes, you must be gender fluid mm. in time. Mm. Unless we're very consciously aware and boundaried and handling these things, which right now we're not. We're failing to. The complexity of everything is overwhelming us. So it's all going to hell. Absolutely. Mm. This is hell and nor are we out of it. Mm. We just have to do the best we can. It's just a pity because, you know, for all, as I said earlier, that, you know, like there is less starvation, there are fewer kids dying at birth, there is fewer people dying at natural disasters, there are few, fewer people killed by war. Everything is shiny. 
and we are really, really busy fighting about something that we can't deal with it, mate. We're not evolved to deal with this level of technological progress and complexity. Mm. We are we are wretched, violent, savage little barbarians, mm. and that's what we're evolved to. The environment that we have, we're not evolved to. And I personally think that we're in the middle of a, a mass psychosis shadow activation where we feel unconsciously compelled to tear the environment down to match what we can cope with. We've, we've, we've done modernity. We fucking hate it. We hate it. So tear it down. <laughs> That's great. That's just... and, and, but but um, the war in Russia or, or in Ukraine, the Russian-Ukraine conflict. Um, invasion. Yeah, invasion, yeah. Uh, but it's actually an interesting thing because... Slava Ukraini. We have, we, have, uh, we have followed the U.S. into multiple military operations and invasions into <laughs> countries that are... Are you I saying mean, are you saying the West has disrespected the national sovereignty of other nations? Is that what you're yeah, implying? That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, listen, it's okay when we do. <laughs> yeah. That's different. Look, you can't do it to white people. No. Brown people is fine. Especially mm. if they have weird like if they're Muslim. Yeah, yeah. you can do that. Because actually, if you look at Chechnya, they're pretty white. Mm. And Bosnia, they're pretty white. Mm. But they're Muslim. Mm. So fuck them. Mm. We didn't we didn't give a fuck about them. No, it's just it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that you know we we you know we've seen the U.S. go into Nicaragua, Granada, uh, you know all the Middle East countries, uh, everywhere, changing governments and doing whatever they want, mm. and they they kill kids in schools and uh, and whatever. And and I remember the last operation they did in Syria was to get some some terrorist guy and and like and they they were even. They were even out there in the news saying, "Oh, that's a great victory for democracy and our freedom and blah blah blah." Mm. And I, if I would have killed, I don't know, fifteen kids as a collateral damage, I would just have said, "Okay, we did an operation. Mm. We got our guy. Nothing more. No, no balloons. No champagne. Yeah. You know." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I don't know why I'm I'm saying. No, that. I hate. I you. Just find. It, I find it. I find it very kind of arrog- or uh, hypocrite that we we kind of yeah we, it's okay. When you shouldn't you shouldn't be celebrating that. You mm-hmm. should just be quiet and mm-hmm. just go okay. We did a terrible thing because we believe it will make the world a better place or whatever. And, and you act in humility. Mm-hmm. You say that was that was fucking awful. But we think that more children would have suffered in the end if that guy had stayed alive. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't brag about stuff like that. You're right. So five years from now, Richard Grannon is fully vaccinated with a mask mm. fighting on the front. Listen, do you know that I'm here unvaccinated? Yeah. I, I, we haven't spoken to each other. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to... Yeah, you told me. You told me. You, d- you d- said you are not vaccinated. I'm not vaccinated, but the reason... You I, should be dead by now. Well, by rights, maybe I am. Maybe mm. this is all some horrible nightmare. Mm. I'm, I'm it's a burg- winter of death. <laughs> Biden, Biden said it would be the winter of death for yeah, the unvaccinated. That's right. And 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 if not, we would all be shoved into gulags and he'd prove that it was a, the winter of our death, the lunatic. The way I got into this country was I'm doing, I did a documentary for the same people who did What the Bleep Do We Know? Do you mm. remember that documentary? Mm-hmm. And to get me in, the people who made the documentary, they had to appeal to the uh, Minister of Culture. So I have this beautiful letter with like a a, a, a crest, like a, a coat of arms uh-huh. at the top of it. Richard Grannon, world-rated expert in psychology. He's not vaccinated, but the Czech people need him in this major documentary of psychology, blah, 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 blah. I got my letter to get me in. So I went to the airport in the uh, UK. I was like, I cannot fucking wait to throw this in somebody's face when they try and stop me for being unvaccinated. Ryanair didn't even ask me. 
No. They didn't ask me a fucking question. <laughs> so I get to the Czech border. I'm like, here's my moment. Here's my moment. This Czech passport guy, he's going to be censorious. He's going to say to me, how dare you try to enter? You don't have... So I was like, uh, I'm not vaccinated. And he went, well, do you have a PCR test? I went, yes. He went, okay, go. I was like, nobody yeah, saw nobody my cares. fucking letter. <laughs> but that's what I... Well, actually, that's what I really love about this country here. Uh, it's um, And I've thought a lot about it. Why? Why is that? Like... During during COVID, there was rules, mm. but then there was reality. Yes, and th- there were two very th- different things. You you really should listen to uh, uh, the the Slovenian philosopher yeah. Slavoj. Is that you're going to love him because he talks about that a lot, and he says that like social intelligence is understanding which rules are the real rules and, and what which, are stupid. Yeah, yeah that you, nobody does. Yeah, and uh, he cites various experiences because he was pressed into uh, you had to. He was in Yugoslavia. He had to serve in the army, and he said that's where he learned it. Like there are there are real rules where if you break it, that's a real problem, and then there are rules that nobody expects and if Mm. you follow them Mm. you're a fucking idiot Mm. like you're not supposed to and i think to me this feels like a a balkan central european eastern european thing where we're the wink and a nudge yes yes we follow the rules but also uh, exactly and and and, then and and they actually the most uh the ones that were kind of most uh biblical on it were the expats and yeah. because they were kind of following the narrative from their home country exactly. and thinking what's happening there. Exactly. Jacks were just like, ah, the police is not going to do anything. You don't have to, you know, don't yeah. worry about this. I yeah. mean, we opened restaurants here for yeah. my birthday when yes. not everything had been closed yes. and it was just no problem. Yeah. And yeah. I could have invited the policeman. He would have showed up, you yes. know, no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, you're 100% right. The The worst that I saw was in the UK and in the Netherlands, the most savage crackdowns and Mm -hmm. this thing that they were doing in the UK where at Heathrow Airport you had groups of travellers with children. Some of them were waiting eight to ten hours to get through passport control because passport control had been trained to check everything thoroughly. Mm -hmm. I think I told you I even had this experience. I was one of the first off the plane. I was first to passport control at, uh, at Heathrow. The woman kept, I had everything in order. Mm. All my papers were in mm. order. And I think they'd been told to make it a punitive experience. She was devastated. She still took me nine minutes to get me through. Because they just didn't want people to they travel. They did not want people mm. to travel. And they were covertly punishing people for traveling. Mm. That was 2021. That's the that's Britain. Mm. I, it was in, I was furious that we'd gotten to that point. Beacon of freedom. Beacon of freedom. Modern Western liberal democracy. I think fucking not. Okay, so I'll see you in the in the battlefront or the gulag. Um, so, YouTube, yes. Instagram. Yes. Are you on TikTok still? Yes, I've done a dance on TikTok. Oh, great, guys! Okay, so Richard Grannon, <laughs> you can find him. Basically, just put him into. Don't put him in Google. Go to this other one that's DuckDuckGo, mm-hmm. because uh, Google will will censor him out. So, find him anywhere. Thanks, Richard. Thank you very much for having me, mate. Bye. Right.